You're listening to Pastor Greg Voorhees, recorded at Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, Sunday, April 2nd, 2023. For more information about SVBC, you can visit their website, svbcfamily.com, or find them on all things social, at svbcfamily. God, our Father is truly a good Father. We sometimes get so wrapped around the circumstances and stuff, and, and we look at some bad things that have happened, and, and, and so often we question the goodness of God, or how could these bad things happen in a world that's run by a good God? But I can absolutely assure you that their Father in heaven is a good, good Father. He... All good things come from heaven above. Any good thing that has ever come into your life, it's because God has given it to you. We, we, we aren't just, we don't earn, we don't earn, you know, cool stuff. Not really, because you realize all the cattle in the hills, they all belong to him. So even when we work hard, 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 it is still, it comes from the Father. He's a good father. I, I just, you know, this is the kindness of God. And this is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. You know, I, I just, it's so important to grasp that. I know people who come to the Lord out of fear, not fear like reverence. You know, when we talk about the fear of the Lord, when we talk about the fear of the Lord, we're talking about reverencing the Lord. But I know people have come to the Lord out of fear of hell. Now, don't get me wrong, that, that's, a, that's a strong motivating force. But the problem is, is that when we come to him simply because of we're afraid of hell, it means that we're coming to him because of something he can do for us. Save us from hell. And, and again, I, I get that. But the reason that I think we should come to the Lord is because when we come to Him, we are coming to Him because of His goodness, because of who He is, because of what He's already done. You know, we're, we've been talking about this for a little bit the last few weeks, and we're going to the Easter, so we're going to talk about it some more. But the Father gave His only Son so that you could live. His only Son. I can't wrap my head around that. You know, I, I thought I was an okay dad. But I, can't, I couldn't sacrifice one child to save another, and that's basically what He's done. He has sacrificed His only Son spiritually part of the Godhead to save what? Those whom he wanted to adopt. That's a good father. That's a good father. And that's a good Jesus who willingly sacrificed, allowed himself to be sacrificed so that you could be with him, that you could come to our good, good father. Easter's something to be excited about, not because not because of chocolate eggs, which don't get me wrong. I get excited about chocolate eggs. 
I do for me, those little Russell Stover chocolate rabbits with peanut butter, and they're like crack for me. I mean, I go to the Walmart, like, where are they, where are they, where are they? You know, you, you know I, I look forward, I look forward to this time of year because I know the peanut butter chocolate bunnies are coming to Walmart. But I will tell you what, that's not what it's about. I get excited about Easter also for the real reason to be excited about Easter, because I have a Father in heaven who cared enough to send his son to rescue me. That's a good father. What is today? What do we celebrate today? Jenny, is this your doings? Looks nice. I like this. What, what are these little things here? Palms. This is what we typically call Palm Sunday. Why do we call it Palm Sunday? Because what we call the triumphant entry. You know, when Jesus, he, he's coming into Jerusalem, literally, he's, he's marching to his death. But this, the story, the triumphant entry, I mean, it, it's, it's a cool story. But it also makes me wonder, why do we follow him? Why do we follow him? We're going to be looking at Matthew 21, 1 through 11. What did I do with the clicker? I'll tell you what. You got me talking about chocolate bunny rabbits, and I forgot my clicker. Actually, it was the Good Good Father song. It was messing, it was messing with me. I love that song. So Matthew 21, 1 through 2 says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. Help me out, David. There we go. <laughs> if anyone says to you, or if anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say, O daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. What, 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 you know, what, what prophecy was that talking about? I, I referenced it there, Zechariah 9.9. The thing, when you look at Zechariah 9.9, even though it's being quoted here saying that he's, he's, he's riding on a donkey, he comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, in Zechariah 9.9, I think the actual word is lowly. He, he comes riding lowly on the donkey. Because think about this for a second. Who is this? This is Jesus. This is, this is the king of kings. Kind of, kind of continuing in, in true Jesus form. Did he ride in on this beautiful white stallion? <laughs> you know, hey, look at me. I'm Jesus. I'm coming to Jerusalem. Look at me. Is that how? No, he rode a donkey. He continues to live this, this life of humility and lowliness and, and gentleness. You know, there is a time coming when we're going to see the business side of Jesus because he is coming back. And when he comes back, it's going to be a very different thing. It's going to be to rescue us and, and to begin judgment. Don't, so don't get me wrong. Not, 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 judgment of, not judgment of believers, judgment of those who've denied his gift, who has not taken... That's, that's a big complicated thing, but, but he, he is coming back. Until, until that time, 
everything he has demonstrated to us is his humility and his, his gentleness and his kindness. Jesus, the only time you ever saw Jesus even get angry, it was a religious people who were victimizing those who they were supposed to be taking care of. It was, he got angry when he saw the, 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 the house of the Lord being used as a marketplace. The only time you ever saw Jesus get mad is when people were, were violating the holiness of God or mistreating those who he loves. So here he is, so he's riding lowly, gently onto this donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus instructed. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. What kind of branches? Palm branches. This is where the whole Palm Sunday thing comes from. This advanced. The crowds, the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the, Hosanna in the highest heaven. Actually, I'm, I'm going to come back and talk about this, this passage for a, a little while, but I'm going to jump ahead just for a second. Let's look at Psalm 118, 25 through 26. Let's see if maybe you recognize this. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Lord, save us. So now we're going to go back. Hosanna to the son of David. First of all, why the son of David? Why do they use that? Why do they use that, that expression, son of David? This is very important. We talked about several Sundays ago, I made reference to the fact you know, when Samuel was talking to David, he told him that the Lord would establish his throne and it would, it would last forever. So it was important to understand that Jesus, who was an heir of, the, of King David, Jesus is the one who was going to make sure that David's throne stood forever. It was important to point out his connection with, with King David because it's important to understand that, that this is this Messiah is the one who was going to make sure that the throne of David was eternal because he was going to sit on it. David didn't make it eternal. You know, Dave, King David, even though God had promised that his throne would be forever, it wasn't David who made it eternal. David's gone. You know, he, he's, he's dead. Of course, he's going to come back. Don't get me wrong. Just like the, like the rest of believers. But there is one who sits on the throne of David who makes it eternal, and it is a direct descendant of his, it is Messiah Jesus. And it is also very important to understand that with calling him the son of David, it was establishing the fact that he is Messiah. Because Messiah had to come from the lot, he was the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he would come through the lineage of David. So it is so important, and they're connecting that this guy, this Jesus, not only is from the, the, the tribe of Judah, he is a descendant of David. Why do you think that Matthew and Luke spent so much time putting a genealogy in there? Because it was important for them to connect Jesus with David. It was so important because particularly to a, a first century Jewish person, if you were going to get that this was Messiah, he had to have the credential of being a son of David. He had to. 
He had to. Son of David, Hosanna. What is this thing, Hosanna? We sing about Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. What is Hosanna? Hosanna, it, it comes from a, a Hebrew expression that means save or save us. So what are they saying? Hosanna to the son of David. What is the crowd saying? Save us, son of David. Save us. They were getting at this point. Many were probably catching the idea that this guy, this Jesus, was probably Messiah. He was doing crazy things. He, was, he just raised dead people. A little bit before this, he'd been healing the sick. He'd been restoring sight to the blind. He was doing all this wild stuff. He was, he was multiplying loaves and fishes. He was feeding people. He was walking on water. He's doing all this. It's, it's like, so all the signs were saying, okay, this is Messiah. So why would they have been so excited? What was the Hebrew perception of what Messiah would do? It's not in the Bible. It wasn't in the Masoretic text, the Old Testament. But the Hebrew people expected Messiah to come and to free them from their oppression in this world. Who was that? Rome. So now all of a sudden they're getting excited. There's this guy who's, who, who's referencing the fact that he's the son of man. So when he said, he calls himself the son of man. That's, what, like, his favorite, that's like his favorite title for himself that he, that he likes to call himself the son of man. What is that? That goes back to the book of Daniel. You know, when, when Daniel was saying that he, he saw a pre-existent Christ and he looked like a, a son of God and a son of man. You know, so when Jesus was saying that he was the son of man, he was saying that I'm that guy that Daniel was talking about. So he, Jesus is making some huge claims. True claims, though. <laughs> he was saying, I am that guy Daniel was talking about. I am I'm, I'm, I'm the lion of the tribe of Judah, the son of David, the son of God. He's saying all these things. So what would the perception be? What would the people believe? Why would they think that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem? Why would they be saying, save us, save us, son of David? Because I'm sure they, they, their perception would have been he was coming to save them from Rome. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're getting pumped. It's almost over. It's almost over. We got this, this oppression and all this, 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 this stuff that Rome's been doing to us. Here comes Jesus. Here comes, here comes Messiah. He's coming. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Save us, son of David. Save us. Is that what Jesus was coming for? It wasn't. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So there's a lot of excitement going on right now. I'm sure these folks were thinking, Okay, this, these taxes... These beatings, all the horrible things that were Rome, Rome was a hard master. Rome did some pretty cool things, don't get me wrong, but Rome was a hard task 
master. I don't think the Hebrew people may have seen this kind of oppression since, since probably Egypt. Don't get me wrong, Babylon was terrible. We could argue that all day long. But they were under a group of oppressors that were hard, who, who was taking everything from them that they could, using them for whatever they wanted to use them for. And I'm sure they were all excited that, that Jesus, this guy who claims to be the Son of Man, has finally arrived in Jerusalem. So why do you follow him? I suspect that the crowd was following him because they were expecting that, that salvation from their oppression from Rome. That would have been enough reason to be excited. That would have been enough reason to be laying down palm branches and laying down your cloaks. This horrible, horrible time is, is almost over. Jesus was interested in saving them from somebody far worse than Tiberius. Jesus was coming to save them from Satan. And he did. But when Jesus was taken into custody, and we're going to talk way more about that on Friday, but when Jesus was taken into custody, do you think that that may have delusioned them or disappointed them in some way? As their deliverer from Rome is taken off by Roman soldiers before Pilate and Herod? They were following him because they expected deliverance. What happens now that they, it doesn't look like they're going to get what they were expecting? Did their tone change? Oh, absolutely. Peter. Peter, I think, in my opinion, gets one of the hardest raps in the entire New Testament. We really like to talk about him denying Christ. Don't get me wrong, that's bad. That's bad stuff. I'm not, I'm not saying that's good what he did. But think about in the garden. When we look at when Jesus was seized, he was seized by a, a lot of soldiers. I mean, we see in the movies, you know, 10, 15 folks, you know, coming to arrest Jesus. I'd have to look up the exact term that the Bible use, uses, but, but the, the Roman, what that term means, and I'll, I'll mention it Friday night because I'm going to find it because now it's going to stick in my head. It was the equivalent of a thousand soldiers. So, so Rome didn't take this Jesus guy very lightly. They sent a thousand folks to go get him. Why, why is this important? Because when they came, what did Peter do? He was ready to fight. He was ready to fight a thousand folks. There's only a couple of them. Cuts the ear off of the, of the, of the priest's servant. Now I tell you, he wasn't trying to cut his ear off. I guarantee he's trying to split his melon. And he missed. 
So Peter was ready. So when he told Jesus that he was ready to, 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 to be there even to the very end, even in the death, when he said it, I guarantee you he meant it. And he demonstrated shortly afterwards that he meant it. He was ready to battle Rome with Christ in that, that moment. What changed? What changed when now all of a sudden he denies Christ three times, even to a small child? Hey, aren't you, that, aren't you with that Jesus guy? <laughs> Jesus, don't know who you're talking about. What would cause him to do that? Do you think for the same reason the crowds may have not even a week later were saying, crucify him? Jesus did not meet their expectations. He did exactly what he came to do, exactly the way it was foretold. The coming of Jesus and the way everything happened fits Old Testament prophecy perfectly. It doesn't fit, it did not fit the expectations. So now when Peter was ready to like take on the Roman army, the same deal. What's Jesus do? Puts the ear back on and he goes with them willingly. What would have been going through Peter's mind? I thought this was the guy that was going to save us from Rome. Been with him for three years. We've been talking about this. this I, my plan was, my plan was that we were going to like overthrow Rome, man. We were going to charge right through all these Romans and we were going to go find Pilate himself. I imagine that's what was going through Peter's head. He was ready to take on the Roman, the Roman army in the garden. Later that same evening, I don't know that Jesus guy. He gets mad at one point. Look at, get away from me. I, I don't know. I don't know who you're talking about. How about us? How often, just like the crowd, or like Peter, that Jesus doesn't meet our expectation. Our expectation is that I will always be healed. My expectation is everything's always going to be okay. My expectation is that, that even when things are rough, I'm just always going to feel like, like rainbows and unicorns. Have you had that expectation of Christ? I have. I have so many times. When, when things don't go the way that I thought that they should have gone, when I have prayed to God, God, I need you to do this thing for me. Isn't that kind of a funny thing? Telling God what he needs to do for you. God, I need this taken care of. I need, you, I need you to do this for me. And when it doesn't get done the way I think it should be done, does that sometimes change in that moment my perception of who Jesus is? It does. Jesus let the crowd down because they didn't understand why he was there. He didn't meet their expectation. Peter denied Christ probably for the same reason. This wasn't what I thought. 
This wasn't what I expected. This wasn't the way this was supposed to go down. It wasn't supposed to be like this. Jesus let me down. Have you ever thought that? I wish I could tell you. I wish I had a dollar for every time I thought Jesus let me down. Every time I thought Jesus let me down. You want to know how many times Jesus let me down? Zero. Jesus has never let me down. He has made promises to me. He has kept every single one. All of the things that I have thought that Jesus should do for me, he never promised me he would do those things. Any, any big, any a thing that I have attacked that I thought that, man, this is, I'm, and, and things, things didn't work out the way, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, take this city for Jesus, and if it didn't work out that way, you know, God doesn't, Empower, he empowers you to do the things he's called you to do. He doesn't empower you to fight fights he never called you to fight. So when those times that I have been disappointed, it's because not because Jesus has failed me, it's because I failed him and put expectations on him that was unfair. The crowd did it. Peter did it. I still do it. I still do it. Let's be honest here. I'll be the first to tell you, I'm a broken dude. Degrees obviously don't make you better. They might teach, you may learn stuff. I am no more of a person because I have a doctor in the front of my name. The problem is, is I'm still a human. Every one of you, I don't care how much school you've been to, I don't care how much hell you've been through, you're still a person. You still make mistakes. And you, get, you will form expectations of what you think Jesus should do for you or be for you. And sometimes he's not going to fall short, but you're going to think that he has. My Jesus doesn't fail. Jesus doesn't fail. I have spent so much of my believer life, and I'm not talking every day, obviously, more time than I should, disappointed in what I thought God should have done for me. There have been times I were in the back of ambulances with young children who were crashing and dying, and I would call out to him, and they would still die. There were times I prayed for people that I thought, God, you just, you just, you, you got to do this. You got to help this person in this way. You got to do this for that person. Do that. How often do I treat Jesus like a genie in a bottle? Jesus, this is my wish. How often are we disappointed? Not because of anything he's done, but because of our expectations. Let me tell you about Jesus. 
my Jesus. Through the Old Testament and the inspiration through the writers promised that he was going to be born of a virgin in a place called Bethlehem. Guess what? He was. My Jesus promised to be the sinless lamb of the world. What does that mean? Go goes whole life without dropping the ball, without sinning, without disappointing God one single time. The Father one single time. Let me tell you what. My Jesus, he did it. Pulled it off. My Jesus, who despite popular opinion sometimes, didn't want to go to the cross. Read John chapter 17. Father, if you could take this cup from me, if there's any other way, please. But not my will, but yours be done. My Jesus was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's my Jesus. My Jesus promised, you can destroy this temple. And in three days, I'll rise it again. Guess what? My Jesus did that. My Jesus said, I'm going to go away. And I'm going to send somebody. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be your comforter, to be your guide. Guess what? Jesus did it. My Jesus said, I'm going to a place, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. I talked about this in I think Sunday school a few weeks ago. You realize all this stuff here? The Grand Canyons, the oceans, all he did that in six days. He's been working on this place for us for at least or going on 2,000 years now. Can you imagine what that's going to look like? He's doing it now. My Jesus said, I'm going to go. I'm going to sit at the right hand of the Father and be your advocate. I'm going to be your high priest. I'm going to be the, the mediator between you and the Father. I'm going to be all of these things. You want to know what? He did. Jesus has never failed. Everything he's promised, he has done. The only things he hasn't done yet is because they haven't come to fruition yet. Jesus did say, I am coming again. And I can assure you, just as I can, even history says there was a Jesus. I can assure you, just as he lived and he died and he raised from the dead, he is coming again. Oh, thank you. But what we need to do this morning is recognize. Recognize the difference between expectations and, and promises. To understand the difference between when God does what we think he should do and the, the times that God does what we don't think he should do. I thought that God should have healed my parents. 
thought that he should. I get they were in the 80s. Mom would have turned 86. March 26, dad, dad was 87. But my selfishness, I said, my God, you should, have, you should have saved them. You should have healed them. He did. My parents were in pain. My parents weren't doing well. My parents are standing in, on healthy legs right now in the presence of my good, good father. God keeps his promises. He keeps his promises. I know that they are there because he said they would be there to be absent from the bodies and be present with God. I know this. God keeps his promises. But what we need to manage now is our expectations. We need to manage when we think God lets us down because he doesn't. He's a good father. My father in heaven is a good and perfect father. He has never let me down. He's never not loved me. He's never not, he's never not just his thoughts of me and you outnumber the sands. He sings over us in the morning. 